Welcome to Tear Gas and Gumdrops. My name is Chris Morton, and I can't say my name without Kyle laughing at my name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Tear Gas and Gumdrops, the podcast about the pain and sweetness of ministry and mission. I am here with my co-host and fellow pod pastor, Kyle Sapp. Where are you at, Kyle? I am in Sacramento, California. Technically, I guess I'm in Rancho Cordova, California. But Rancho Cordova. There it is. There it is. Uh, we have a we have a special guest with us uh, that we'll introduce in a second. I'll go ahead and tell his story because I think he may appreciate. It. I don't know. I could be totally off. Um, on my way over here to this call today, I got a text from my co-pastor. I'm preaching this Sunday, and all the text said was uh, the new season of Daredevil comes out tonight. Worst possible thing for a weekend that Chris is preaching? Question mark. Um, so, and I, my response to it was, uh, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. I'm going to be fighting all, uh, weekend long to not jump into season two. I don't know. So are you going to so watch Netflix it? <laughs> released Daredevil season two today. Oh no. It's okay. I was like tonight. It's, yeah. it's up now. Yeah. It's out that today. That was my lunch break. That's Did my you reward. start it already? No. Okay. I'm going to start it at lunch. Oh man. Okay, I don't know, but uh, I'm curious if our guest is going to watch it. Introduce our guest, Kyle. All right, today because <laughs> so he's right here. Uh, <laughs> today we are with uh, Wes Waddell. Uh, Wes attended Fuller Theological Seminary with me I, uh, for a period of time, um, and now he is doing uh, well. He's doing a lot of things, doing a lot of cool things. So we'll just let Wes. Tell us about all the cool things he's doing. So, uh, Wes, where are you at, and what are you doing these days? Well, uh, right now I'm in St. Peter's outside of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm working with the Crossings Church. Uh, We're a church um, headquartered in Wentzville, but we're also a church that's planting churches, uh, and we do a lot of evangelism and discipleship and stuff like that. Uh, So it's pretty cool. It's a really healthy situation. We like it. Now, are you working with, um, are you specifically targeting young adults, millennials, or are you guys just, we're just evangelizing to whoever we can talk to? Uh, No, we're pretty much just working with whoever uh, needs Jesus that we can find. Uh, We, I would say most of our conversion growth does come from campus ministry and and youth ministry. Um, And most of our growth overall as a church comes through conversions, uh, which is not a normal thing. There's only about 1% of the churches in the United States, uh, according to Ed Stetzer and Warren Bird, that are uh, doing that. And so, um, you know, we don't like to make a big deal out of that uh, because we don't want to get prideful about it. But, uh, but God is blessing us uh, just in, in terms of uh, growth and um, evangelistic success you know and we attribute that to god um, yeah so wow very cool very cool so, so you're in where now you um wentzville i don't know yeah our church is, is in wentzville uh wentzville, which is about what? 40 wentzville missouri it's about missouri, 45 okay. minutes northwest of st louis okay and then okay. you've got a church that we planted uh actually closer to the city in University City or Creveport, which is right on the border of St. Louis, uh, in August of 2014. And then we've got another church um, that we're planning to plant in Collinsville, Illinois, uh, across the river on the other end of St. Louis, on the east side, uh, actually on the other end of East St. Louis, um, that 
will be coming out probably the next couple of years. And then we've got, you know, every two years we're, we're hoping to send a team of 30 or 40 out uh, to plant uh, in a new location. It's kind of our vision. Now, now, was that was that a vision that was a part of the church when you when you joined Crossings Church or did you help kind of bring that vision uh, into reality. No, that was that was all them. I'm uh, guys. I'm here uh, as a learner more than anything. Um, you know, I I went uh, became a Christian in my early 20s. Went to uh, campus ministry down in Tampa, Florida, and interned for a year. Uh, then I went to Harding and got a Bible degree. Um, while I was there, uh, we started a little kind of simple church plant. And uh, I don't know if did you get, did you guys ever go to the underground coffee shop. Was, yes. that a, was that a thing when you guys were learning? Um, I was on my way out when it crawled. Are you? Up. Yeah, was it was a, a big one, like downtown. It was huge. Yeah, it was a big like warehouse. It was horrible in the summertime because there was no air conditioning. Right yeah, now. yeah. We I started. Went, uh, yeah, you went. There. Yeah, we we started a church that actually met in there while I was in Bible college. I had no idea what we were doing, you know. But we, um, I was a drug addict for years, and so after I became a Christian, there were a lot of people that. Uh, I used to smoke weed with and drink with and stuff that in the community uh, that I was able to go back and, um, you know, had the opportunity to sit down and study the Bible with and um, didn't know much more than, you know, just kind of how to show them some scriptures and like, you know, here's here's kind of how you follow Jesus. And I was still learning myself. Uh, so, you know, in some ways that was great. In other ways, it was just a disaster. Um, but that was kind of my experience. And then, uh, went out to San Francisco and worked for uh, a little small struggling congregation there. Uh, just, uh, learned some valuable lessons, but really just did a terrible job, uh, working with those people. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> realized, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, after doing ministry for four or five years <laughs> and, you know, was always reaching. We, we, my wife and I always have been evangelistic and we've always, yeah gone out and been able to meet people and, you know, connect on a surface level with them and uh, get people interested in studying the Bible. Um, but, uh, you know, after they committed their lives to the Lord, uh, helping them mature and get past some of their issues and struggles, we just had no idea what we were doing. And, you know, in some cases, I think did more harm than good. Um, and so I, I looked around the country when we got ready to move away from the West coast and I uh, had some friends over here in Missouri and, you know, I'd been able to observe their work over a pretty good number of years. And, uh, I saw what they were doing here at the crossings and, uh, you know, I contacted my buddy, Robert Cox, who's, uh, the lead evangelist or pastor here. Uh, his son, Carrie is the campus minister. And, um, I just witnessed these guys reaching people. And then five years later, I'd come back to visit and the same people would be there, only they would be leading people and reaching people themselves now. And I was like, man, what is in the water over there that they're doing this? I got to learn how to, how to do this. And so that's really, you know, we've been here four years now, but, but my um, attitude and kind of posture here is still one where I'm just kind of soaking everything in. Mm -hmm. um, the, the church doesn't pay me here. I'm actually uh, an employee of the Downtown Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. I'm one of their domestic missionaries. Um, and so they have me up here soaking all this stuff in and I'm, uh, hoping one of these days to go out on one of these church plants. Um, but, uh, you know, we're just still kind of preparing and getting ready for that and working within, uh, the Wentzville congregation and, um, doing a lot of evangelism and discipleship and learning. And I've got a number of people I'm working with here. So, uh, it's good. 
Yeah. One thing that I really appreciate about about that story, Wes, uh, is uh, is that you're still very much in the early processes of um, of the church planting of of being a domestic missionary. And and like I was watching you from afar and watching you via Facebook and reading your blog, and it seems like like you've got something going on there. Like like at the Crossing Church and 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 uh, in your ministries that God is totally doing a really cool work. And I thought you'd been doing this job for like years. Um, and so it's really cool to hear that, that you're still just, you're still learning and you're still in, in perhaps some of the beginning phases of some of this stuff. And so that's really neat. That's really cool. Uh, Actually, so, yeah, let me inject there. Cause I want to know more about that. How do you, not everyone wants to learn and even fewer people, mm-hmm. uh, put themselves in places specifically to learn. What do you think, uh, like, what, what, what brought that on, uh, that you would move across the country just to learn? Um, well... Yeah, I'm not happy you left the West Coast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I miss the weather sometimes, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially when we have the weather we do here, but... Um, but I think if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we've got to remain in kindergarten. Uh, We have to constantly have this posture where we're constantly learning. Um, And just thinking from uh, the standpoint of someone who wants to be in ministerial leadership for the rest of his life, I want my life to impact others. Um, We've got a limited amount of time here, and I want to do the best job that I can possibly do to impact the lives of the people around me and influence the people around me that I can. And I really just want to get to the end of my life and look back and see a bunch of people that I've been able to share the gospel with that I'm going to bring with me into eternity with Jesus Christ. Um, that's really in my heart of hearts, all I want in my life. And of course I want my wife and my children to be there. Um, and so they're my first ministry. Um, but I want to bring as many people as possible with me. And so I want to utilize all the tools at my disposal, um, that I can to be able to do that. And, and I know that just by myself, that's never going to happen. I've got to seek out people that are wiser than I am, that know more than I do. Um, and I also need to be careful about those people I choose to mentor me, um, I want to make sure that what I see in their life is something that <clears throat> I'd like to replicate in my own. Um, and, and not just on a, from a character standpoint, also in terms of ministry, like what is their ministry leaving behind? Uh, are they just planting churches that are getting a bunch of people from other churches to come and sit at their service, you know, or are they actually impacting the lives of lost people um, and bringing them into the kingdom who never would have entered the kingdom uh, unless they were being the hands and feet of Jesus for them. Um, And so, you know, just kind of a roundabout way. um, That's, that's really my goal. Uh, I want to reach people and I want to help them mature in Christ. And in order to do that, I need help because I don't know how. But was there any, uh, was, was there like a moment or a transition 
you, you kind of alluded to it. Like, what was that decision? Because you made a huge decision. I'm going to move across the country. I'm going to put mm-hmm. myself uh, under the guidance and leadership of other people. Do you, like, I, I love your philosophy, but I'm just kind of wondering what the story is there. Oh, okay. That brought you um, to that point. <laughs> well, there were a lot of things. You know, I, uh, I went to that church in San Francisco. Uh, my first day in Bible college, I was approached by a guy and said he who heard I was interested in campus ministry and planting a campus ministry. And so he came up to me and was like, hey, when we graduate, we're going to move to San Francisco and work with this church that uh, is right next to this huge college. Um, <clears throat> would you be interested in coming uh, to help with the campus ministry? And I was like, yeah. And so, you know, the more we thought about it and prayed about it, we just we really felt a strong call to San Francisco to work uh, with this congregation. And it was this little small struggling church of about 30 people, uh, most of whom were 65 or 70 or older. Um, there was a, a kind man there who had been their preacher for about a dozen years uh, who would come and, uh, you know, deliver a sermon on Sundays and they'd have their Sunday service. But there wasn't a whole lot going on outside of just kind of meeting on Sundays. And, and even in the context of those services, there was no uh, challenge to be something more. It was just, you know, this is kind of who we are and what we do. We come and uh, sing some songs and listen to a devotional. Um, and so if for all intents and purposes, I mean, the place was dead uh, spiritually. Uh, I remember my first Sunday walking into that big auditorium that set uh, 700 people in it. And if you can just imagine 30 people in this huge building that seats hundreds all spread out in these old church pews just everywhere. And it's just like, wow, there's nobody here. You know, that's your first impression. And so any anybody that came in off the street, you know, they were probably going to come one time and never come back. Um, but I, I took a photo of that and I was uh, just like, man, we, we got to change something here. And so for the next Three and a half years that I was there, I worked hard and tried to be the best minister I could be. Um, but, Chris, I have so many issues, man. Uh, and, and I was not connecting with these people. <laughs> but at the same time, my insecurity caused me to, instead of admit how inadequate I was, I projected this image mm-hmm. that I've got it all together and I know everything and I can fix your church and I'm the yeah. Messiah, you know, and, I, and so it was just, and everybody saw right through that there. And so nobody sure. felt loved by me in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I had these churches back in the South and in Texas sending me a lot of money. Rent was a 3000 bucks a month to live there. Oof. They were supporting yeah. me to live there as a, as a missionary. And I felt like I had to prove stuff to them. So even all the blogging and stuff that mm-hmm. I did, and it was really just from this kind of dark place of insecurity and I've got to prove myself. And, and on the inside, I just felt like a big piece of crap. Um, and the straw that broke the camel's back, I mean, as far as moving away from there, um, we, we, meaning my wife and I, had just kind of gotten to our wits end after about two and a half years. And we were baptizing kids, but the church was like, uh, more of a deterrent to them than it was uh, <laughs> help yeah, yeah. doing the campus ministry. And so we were seeing a lot of people fall away. Um, and, you know, we would, we would work with them for two or three months and then, you know, we may not see them again after that. They would just be gone. Um, and so we were really discouraged and, you know, we felt like God had called us there, but 
man, we just weren't seeing the fruit. Yeah. We're in a bad place spiritually. And so we started praying, God, will you please show us uh, whether we need to stay here or not? Um, And we prayed that prayer uh, for about two months. And then, um, oddly enough, you know, there were two guys that I really listened to online a lot back then. One was Mark Driscoll, uh, who I disagreed with about 65% of the time. But Mm -hmm. I liked listening to his preaching because he was funny. Um, mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he had some good yeah. insights from time to time. And the other guy was Francis Chan. Uh, and I found that, uh, you know, I really agree with this guy like all the time. And he seems really likable. Um, <laughs> well, guess who moves up the street from me? Francis Chan. And he landed in my office and he offered to help me with my college ministry. And I showed him that photo that I had taken of the church, the first Sunday that I'd come in that empty building. And then I showed him another photo from the 60s. This was a, uh, at one time a well-to-do congregation of that mm-hmm. same room full of people. And he looked at those two photos and he got tears in his eyes. And he got really excited because he said, God is calling us to do something here. This is it. And he was like jumping for joy. And we, we went from my office into the big auditorium and we prayed over that room and we're like, we're going to do this. And he said, in two weeks, I'm going to call Chris Tomlin. We're going to get him to come do a big concert to kick this thing off. Me and you are going to go up on campus. We're going to get all the campus leaders at San Francisco State University together. We're going to bring all the students down here that we can. And we're going to do a service down here on Friday nights, every Friday night. And we're going to make this something that eventually becomes a new church plant. Uh, he had another fellow, uh, pastor named Matt, uh, from Simi Valley that was ready to move up there, um, and work with me and him to help do this thing. We had Dave Lomas from Reality Church in San Francisco come over and bring some students. We did a big prayer meeting. Um, And then I went to tell uh, my board of trustees at the church that we were just going to be using the building on Friday nights. It wasn't going to be any Mm -hmm. big deal. Didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Um, And remember, this is when we're still praying, God show us whether we need to be here or not. Whenever Francis showed up, I was like, okay, this is the answer. This is the answer from God. We're definitely supposed to stay here, right? Everything's going to turn out okay. I go meet with my board of trustees and tell them what's going on. And guess what they said? Not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. One of the women went and actually put a security system in that building and refused for a time to give me the code to it uh, oh, wow. to keep us out of that building. And I am a staff. I'm the mm. staff member of this church that's in that office every single day. And I can't even, I don't even have access to my baptistry without this code. Uh, and eventually she got overruled and they gave me the code, but it was just like, okay, so this is the answer. We shouldn't be here. Um, wow. And so, you know, kind of where I'm at with that is God did call us to San Francisco, but it wasn't to have this awesome ministry. It was to get our butts kicked and get humbled and to come to the conclusion that I don't know everything. Mm. Uh, I'm not very good at this. I don't love people very well. I need to learn. Um, And so I guess going back to the whole idea of being a learner, I'm a learner because I got my butt kicked. Yeah. Uh, And I'm kind of glad that I did. go out on a loop because I don't know you Wes but I know know my experience I know other let's call them apostolic types 
I have a guess that in 20, were you twenty something when this happened? Late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Uh, well, was I in my thirties? Uh, I may have been in my thirties by that time. This was. Yeah, I would have been about 30, 29 or thirty when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, uh, my buddy Ben Sturkey on the blog on the V three Movement blog just put out an article called uh, "How to Spot an Immature Apostle and What to Do About It," um, and he talks about just like how you get these guys that have all this drive and capacity and energy um, and calling, in you know, undeniable calling, um, but. Uh, they need some help. <laughs> they need some yeah. guidance. Uh, not that they need control, but they need to be loved and shaped. Mm-hmm. And what I think you experienced and I experienced, and uh, to, just to anyone who we're ta- who's out there that is hurting um, in this, you, you know, that, that drive to create stuff and make stuff and do things different is good, and it's from God. But it... Um, but it runs up against structures. And the problem with structures is they're not going away. And um, it, there, there is just something to uh, just... Well, time comes when you're ready to learn and you're ready to work with. Um, and when you're a part of a structure, you can work with it. So I'm just happy that you didn't give up at that point, Wes. And that you put yourself... Because this is what I had to realize. I had to realize I'm going to go somewhere I can learn. That meant putting a lot of things on the table for me as far as my own desires and ideas about what ministry was about and just move somewhere where I can learn. Um, and I would just, anybody out there that struggles with, <laughs> they keeps hitting the wall. It may be that you're just an apostle who's called to go out there and start new things, but you need, you know, Timothy needed Paul. You know, you need, you need a place where you can learn and grow into that role. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to bang up against these structures. Because yeah. that's how, I mean, it's like a rocket. You're a rocket. <laughs> uh, and you, you got to be pointing you're in the right direction. So let's, let's transition out of, the, out of that. And let's talk about some, something good. Let's talk about the sweetness of ministry. What's a, uh, what's a gumdrop moment, um, whether it was in your time on the West Coast or whether it's currently at, at where you are right now at Crossings Church? What's something good? I think, um, you know, I, I thought about this when you sent it to me the other day. And as odd as this sounds, because it was the hardest thing I've ever done emotionally. Um, this past year, we've got um, we've got a number of, of healing ministries at our church. That's one of the ways uh, I think that we're able to develop people is we help them deal with some very deep hurts and wounds. Uh, in a way that uh, a lot of churches, you know, they're, they're just not equipped to do. Um, and one of the ministries we have here uh, helps people who have been affected by childhood sexual abuse. Uh, it's called Wounded Heart. And, um, you know, I, for the first time, uh, you know, I grew up getting molested uh, from about the ages of three to six. Um, and I had no idea how much that affected me day to day. Um, and at the end of the last year, I was a- actually able for the first time to go and, uh, able to admit that, uh, and then, uh, go through a 12 week course, um, of basically working through all that garbage, uh, where I was in a room with, uh, four other people who, uh, 
had similar experiences and, and we shared our stories with one another. There was a licensed uh, counselor that's on staff at our church uh, who oversees all of our ministries of that nature. Um, and uh, I was able to share my story and they shared their stories and, uh, and then just walk through and look at how this affects you and the biblical ramifications and the ramifications of sin uh, that are implanted really deep within a person's heart who has had that happen to them. Um, and so I've been able to figure out why my whole life I've kept people at arm's length, uh, why I don't like being touched, uh, why uh, I'm so deeply insecure and I feel like I have to prove myself all the time because I grew up thinking something was wrong with me. Uh, and when you're as young as I was, it, you know, that stuff just becomes a part of your worldview. Right. And just like a fish doesn't know it's wet, you don't know that the way you're thinking is pretty radically different from people who didn't experience a trauma of that kind yeah. uh, about yourself and the world around you. And so I've really been able to experience some healing, and it's really helped me uh, just address some really deep character flaws. And I think for the first time now, I'm learning to actually love people uh, mm. when I've never been able to do that uh, because I had, you know, I was in self-protection mode uh, my whole life because I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody else to get close enough to hurt me. And so um, it, that's just been amazing. And I'm still processing all that. Um, like, like I said, this wasn't too long ago that I went through this stuff, this course, and uh, I'm actually being uh, equipped now uh, where I can help other men uh, that are dealing with this issue. And so I'm going to be um, starting my own group uh, toward the end of this year, uh, taking 12 weeks to walk some guys that I'm, I'm working with, which we've got, man, we've got in our church so many people that have been abused. Um, I mean, it's just a ton. Uh, and I think it's because we have resources to help them that they can't find anywhere else. And it's just kind of part of our culture now. Um, and so I, you know, and that, that sounds weird because that was so, I cried more than I've ever cried in my life going through that stuff. And, you know, I was hard to live with. You can talk to my wife. Like I just, it was just, it was, it was awful. But at the same time coming out on the other end of it, uh, man, it's been such a blessing. Um, and it's, it's just something a lot of people never have the opportunity to deal with. So mm -hmm. Well, that uh, was not what I was expecting. <laughs> no, it, yeah, but I think there's okay. I don't know about you, but there's something holy in that story, in, in the sharing of that story. Just, just in in this moment, and you know, Mrs. Martin, if you're listening, uh, as she is our one listener, um, my I wife, hope not my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's weird. Okay, Chris's mom, uh, as you listen to this, I, I hope you hear the power of God in that story. Uh, and and I, I hope we don't just gloss over that in as listeners of, of a very amazing story of healing. Because, um, yeah, I mean, some, those gumdrop moments are always different for, for everybody. Um, which is just remarkable, but man, that's just 
I'm just moved in, in just kind of the sacredness of this conversation right now, it, if, if that makes any sense to anyone else. Um, and I, I thank you so much for, for sharing that, for being open um, oh, about that. Thank you that. for asking. That was really great. So I don't even know how we transition. <laughs> no, well, I, I do have one last question for you. It sounds like you got, you have a lot going on. It sounds like, uh, I mean, personally, you are... Um, unpacking a lot of things obviously both with kind of some of those personal revelations and your own kind of uh sputters with ministry thus far um and it so it sounds like you've got a lot going on it also sounds like the ministry itself you have a lot going on um just real quickly what are you excited about and this could be anything it could be something that's happening in your ministry something that's happening personally in your life um maybe a book you've read or a cool resource like what with what you're doing right now and you're focused on uh what's what's exciting right now you know there's a lot of things i'm excited about chris um i've got a lot of people i'm studying the bible with right now uh that are just kind of investigating faith uh and that's that's a lot of fun for me uh i love doing that um and uh just, just in my little group here, we've we've got a number of uh, evangelistic studies going on, uh, and and I've also got a number of people that uh, we baptized this past year that uh, that are really taking strides in developing and uh, you know just getting getting over some issues and you know any any of the guys that I'm working with, I've got a group of guys that I disciple weekly, and uh, you ask any one of them, they'll tell you that I'm a pretty straight shooter, and uh, sometimes that ends with me getting cussed out and people getting up and leaving and slamming doors, and uh, and I'm okay with that. They know that I love them, and if they yeah. come back, you know, uh, they'll be welcome. Um, but it's cool. Because I feel like since I'm learning to love people, I can have those kinds of conversations. Uh, and as long yeah. as people know deep down I love them, I can help them develop past some of the garbage mm -hmm. they're dealing with. And so I'm getting to see some guys uh, with deep issues <laughs> grow past some of the sin that they've been holding on to for the first time. Uh, and so that's what really makes me excited, man. And, you know, when I get together with other ministers, that's that's really what I like talking about. It's like, who who is developing around you? Uh, what, what are they struggling with? Like, how are you helping them with that? Uh, what did you say? How did that go? You know, that, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that I kind of have learned to thrive on. Mm. Um, and so I, man, I'm, I'm excited about the guys around me and the ladies around me that are, that are growing. Um, makes me happy. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's a pretty good place to tie it up. Yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, you know, I hope, your podcast doesn't suck. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. Think. Hey, man. Thanks so much, <laughs> thanks so much yeah. for sharing, uh, for being, you know, what, what makes these, what makes these interviews so, so worthwhile for me is, is just the honesty of people. And, um, man, you brought, you brought honesty in spades, uh, with this one. And, uh, yeah. I really, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate, appreciate you and your story. And I'm excited to see, all the things that you get to be a part of at Crossings Church and um, and and those church plants. Now, I did have a question. Um, your church plants that you were you had referenced earlier are those are going to be church plants, not satellite churches, correct? No, they're independent. Um, okay. We train. We get a group of about thirty or forty, uh, and 
the last group we sent out had 36 people on the team. Most of them had been Christians for two years or less. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of the leaders were longer than that, but just about all of them, except for two, were actually converted through the Crossings Church. They were previously unchurched. Um, wow. And so we spent about two years training them and discipling them and reading books together and getting together for training sessions. And then we send them out on their own. And for the first year or so, there'll be some sharing of the pulpit with the lead pastor here. Um, but no, it's not a satellite. It is an independent congregation and we'll help them get on their feet. Uh, financially, we'll give them, give them money, get them a facility, mm-hmm. pay the ministers for the first two years. But then after that, they're completely on their own. Very um, cool. So yeah, that's the way we're doing that. That's One awesome. more thing to be excited about. Yeah, that's that is cool. exciting. Yeah. That's cool. Can I get a quick plug in? Do it. Plug I away. Did, I did just launch a new website. Uh, yes. West tell Hotel. tell our people how we can like find you, stay in touch. Yes, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle's at uh, Wes Waddell. That's W E S W O O D E L L. Uh, you can also access my website at westwoodell.com. That's W-E-S-W-O-O-D-E-L-L.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Um, email me, Wes at westwoodell.com. Um, if any of the stuff that I talked about today interests you, um, I'd be happy to, to jabber. And if you're listening to this and you're somebody who's been sexually abused and you'd like to be turned on to some resources that can help you, uh, I would be happy to help you with that as well. Just uh, shoot me an email. Um, cool. And and I'll hook you up. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you, you guys, I just love finding these guys who are just like doing the work, maybe floating mm-hmm. under the radar. Nothing wrong with the guys under the radar. Clearly, you love Francis and things like that. But you know, there's so much work to be done. And it's cool to see yeah. how God's at work in different ways in different places. And uh, man, it encourages me because uh, I got a lot going on, and some of it doesn't always feel super fruitful. So it's always good to see the bigger picture. Well, come visit us, either one of you guys. Grab your families. I got a big house. Come <laughs> nice. show you what, what we're doing up here. Nice. All right, well, thanks for joining us for Tear Gas and Gumdrops. Again, my name is Chris Morton. And I'm Kyle Sapp, and it is... Hey, Chris, tell the people how we can, uh, or how we, how they can get in touch with us. Uh, you can find us on uh, at teargasandgumdrops.com, Facebook, search Tear Gas and Gumdrops, search for it on Twitter, uh, go to iTunes. Uh, by the way, Tear Gas is two words. Search Tear Gas and Gumdrops on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, that helps a lot listen of course and uh, leave us a review that also helps uh, and tell your friends uh, because we're trying to get man great stories that are about real life and following God and, and serving and, uh, and encourage people out there and I think we did that today and if you want uh, to hear more of those you can subscribe there and uh, let other people know uh, so that we can kind of spread the, the hope and, that comes with being real yeah, amen to that. Cool. Maybe that should be our catchphrase. You know, we've talked about our sign-off. Maybe that should be our catchphrase, to spread the hope that comes with being real. Ooh. All right, well, that's a good place to stop, whether it is yeah. our catchphrase or not. Yeah. All right, I'll stop recording.